and the band was good. They were great. And it was loud. The kick drum was boom, you know, and the mix started out really good, and then they took a couple recommendations from some people, and it kind of went down just slightly. <laughs> Vocals were a little too hot. The acoustic guitar was a little too hot. Me and Craig were like, I can make two adjustments. It would be so much better. <laughs> is Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church in Franklin, Indiana, where we explore how the local church fits in with the global church and how the kingdom is at work on a local level. Current Church meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear in Franklin and exists to encounter God, equip the church, and engage the world. We believe that whatever God is going to accomplish in this world, He is going to do through the church Big C. These are our stories and the testimony of the power of God in everyday lives. Find out more at currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Now here's your host, Jeremy. Yes, welcome back to the podcast, part two of Coffee with the Front Man. If you did not listen to the first one yet, I would encourage you to do so first. If you did, there's two or three minutes of uh, review here at the beginning, just for context. If it feels like you've already heard it, you have. Uh, But then we get into new material very quickly. And uh, also, if you don't think that we're long-winded, I think uh, we're about two minutes into the conversation when I said we're going to close and then we go for, well, you see how long the episode is. Uh, Coffee with the Front Man, an annual tradition like no other, part two. Thanks for listening. Like, I love you talking about the DNA that we have. It's special, super special. It's some of the things that keeps me coming back for more. But when I think about why we did it in the first place, it was, we'll reach people, I want to reach people that nobody's reaching, which, honestly, if anybody gets saved, you're reaching somebody that nobody was reaching. But you know what I meant. I wanted to reach fringe people. I felt like that was our calling. I wanted to have, you know, worship that felt more like, like live music felt like live music, like any place you'd go see it other than church, which was loud, in your face, you know, acoustic Martin probably acoustic like say an acoustic Martin guitar direct box with direct no. box bass and then a drummer that's not loud enough <laughs> because he has to play underneath the acoustic guitar. Uh, you know, Perfect. but then w- when you get in a room with six people, you realize that you know what it's just like when I was in a band. Like you can show up and rock it for six people, but it's not any fun. Like you're not really enjoying it, and to be honestly, the six people aren't either. There's just not enough people. You haven't reached that critical mass number. And so the, those things that I really love about about the big C worship, you know, you can't do. Uh, so you can't do, you can, but it doesn't have the same, like I, I almost started saying, I'm like, why are we still doing this? Why are we cranking out fog lights and loud music for the, the six of us or the eight of us or the 10 of us in the room or even the 20? You know, it's just a small. Because we're on the internet. Because we're on the internet. <laughs> no, it's not because, it's because I do enjoy it. I still enjoy it loud. But anyway, suffice to say, and then, um, Felt like, uh, you know, why did we get in it? Those were the real reasons. I just wanted to reach people that nobody else reached, and maybe to do it in a way that other people weren't doing it. Now, I still think we're doing some things that other people aren't doing it, but I don't know that we're, like, our. if you looked at our church, you would think our target audience is just, it no longer is it a fringe people that is attracted. And again, there again, 
once you start trying to attract people to church, I'm already off the, the my projection is already off. I'm yeah. after the wrong things. Once yeah. I start trying to be attractive to people, yeah. you know, even Jesus, you know, Scripture says there was nothing about him that was even attract, attracted people to him, you know, uh, not in his appearance. It was his message that was attractive. It was the way he treated people that was attractive. It wasn't his pro- promotion or his program. I mean, granted, for sure, miracles are pretty. People come out for that stuff. But you can't keep them. You know, the old adage is whatever you win them with, you have to keep them with. Uh, apparently, winning people with loud rock and roll music wasn't enough because even though we kept the loud rock and roll music, it did not keep them. So if that's what won them, and there is a part of it we know that probably is part of what won some of those people. It wasn't. It's not enough to keep people. I think the solution is a second hazer. Second hazer would yeah. do the trick. Yeah. Yeah, they make that scented stuff, which would be nice. So we you could get maybe smells like, like Shekinah. Smells like Shekinah. Like, yes, the glory, and uh, yeah. So getting long in the tooth now, but that's the um, that was the, the thought process there. Well, two more questions then. Our time is short. Yes, I really thought I, you were going to tap into that last message, but if you're not, that's okay. No, that's because you you kind of steered us there anyway. Yeah, a little bit. Are you a believer in fake it till you make it? And I asked that in the context of somebody sent me a, are you finding it? Why don't you speak on that? Now, the second one, right? The one about COVID-19? Yeah, but I think it ties directly with a lot of the conversation we've already had. So I'd, I don't think it's a reach. I'll read them both and we can just tap in, into it. So a couple, two statements. Have we become a church that no longer expects the supernatural in our gatherings? And the extension on that was healing, deliverance, tongues and interpretation, prophecy, and the divine presence of the Holy Ghost are all things we should be longing for, praying for, and expecting as we come together. And without these things, the gathering becomes little more than a theological classroom. And I'm not knocking a theological classroom, sure. but it's not enough. Yeah. And it's not what defines the church. The second, in case we, you know, we can go on either one of these and you can maybe help me. The second one was in regards to COVID-19 and how we're now approaching church. And I'm not, this is how I feel sometimes about current, though I would say that it's probably across the board for sure. a lot of people. But I'll be the only I'll be the first guy to admit it. You know, I never wanted to be a superstar on TV. Anyway, COVID-19, without it, without us realizing it, has put us in a survival mode. Quote, keep gathering short has caused a song service over a time of worship. It's caused a quick sermonette over an anointed word from God. It's called caused comment your prayer request over laying hands on the sick and it's caused arrive late and leave quickly over extended times of building one another up in our most holy faith and it's given government recommendations authority over the faith-filled word of god that's sometimes i wonder how these things come out of my mouth because to me that's so strong like and so real i think it's something that we should that the church should be i think you should sell some etsy prints of that to yeah, pastors around the country. I think so. No, I mean, what pastor right now wouldn't wouldn't just that resonate with? Right I think now? it might resonate, but a lot of people would go, yeah, but that's just that's just where we're living right now. That's just, you know, we've just got to, these are the times we're living in. And I, I just want to say, then, then we have no faith. You know, we're like, we're without faith because we're just like, well, it's just, it's nonsense to me. Yeah. It's nonsense. I watched a a friend of mine in just up the well in Lima, Ohio, probably nobody knows where that is, but near Fort Wayne, a friend of mine from Bible College, and he moved to that church a couple of years ago, and they were doing a, I think it was, I don't know, they were doing a service. It wasn't on Sunday, uh, but it was recently, in the last week or so. They were worshiping. Nobody's wearing a mask, and there's a bunch of people around the altars, and people are laying hands on each other and praying. I'm like, 
there's a church with some faith that says, you know what, man? God is bigger than COVID. And, you know, if insert whatever your disease is that has a 99.5% recovery rate, nobody's flipping out about it. I mean, is the chances are most of us going to get sick? Probably. And most of us are going to recover. You know, I, I, I'm trying not to get on that. But the truth is, we're, is God God or not? I know people that have lost their life, but I also know people that should have lost their life and didn't. I have a friend who recently told me that he's like he was upset because he sat by somebody in church. That then they found out they had COVID. And he's like, I'm really upset about it because I've got four people in my family that I'm responsible for. And if they get COVID, they will absolutely die. And I said, you cannot say that for two reasons. One, there's no way you know scientifically that they'll absolutely die. And two, you're a person of faith. That's like saying God's not powerful. He's not real. He's not big because you think you're signing somebody off because... If you get COVID, someone you're responsible for will get COVID, and they will, he used the word absolutely. And I I literally rebuked him, and he thanked me for it because we're friends. (laughs) There wasn't public. And, you know, you can't, we can't use words like absolute. That slaps in the face of God. It's like, God, you're not all powerful. That's what that says. God, you're not still a healer. There's things that you can't do. And I I rebuked that in the name of Jesus. That's not that's not the kind of church I want to be a part of. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't be smart. If you're sick, you should stay home. You know? Yeah. I get that. And I'm not trying to get people to come to church. That's not my objective here either. My objective is to say we need to be a people of faith. We need to stop letting other things determine how we how we live our church life because we are we're everything that we do supersedes earth. It supersedes our minds. It's you know, it's greater than our small minds. And uh, because it's supernatural and we're not living like we're in a supernatural world. Sure. Myself included. Well, de- devil's advocate here. Yeah. Let me uh, allow me to advocate for the devil. Please do. Perfect. Someone has to do it. It's about time. It's about time. <laughs> the next pandemic, say it's 55% recovery rate. Is the message still the same? And I asked that to say, okay, so you have snake handlers over here and you have online church only over here Mm -hmm. like somewhere in the middle you'll you know drink poisonous things and then be raised up and right and doesn't mean we go out and drink it correct to prove how powerful god is right so say the uh the daily journal local local rag Mm -hmm. i think you know it uh headline is uh local franklin church uh lays on hands at the altar last sunday night yeah in the midst of a pandemic yeah is that a good testimony or is that a bad? California church defies governor's gathering rules publicly. Right. And they answer to God, not Caesar. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bunch of gray area for me. And it I, is. Yeah. So obviously I'm talking in extremes here. Sure. But what's the more powerful story to say that our God's bigger than the pandemic and we're all in as normal, laying on hands at the altar or... We're going to operate within the confines of the government recommendations. And you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and, and I, it's not mutually exclusive. I just, right. these are things that swim swim in my head as I'm sure they do yours. Yeah. Well, don't and, you think you have to take each one as it comes? Yeah. I mean, I can't make a sweeping statement for all of it, but you, you could say, well, how bad does, at what point does persecution, at what point do we do we deny our faith? Because it's, if we don't deny our faith, we'll be persecuted. You know, well, you know. I'll defy the government as long as they're just threatening to right. do this. Right, you right. know, well now they're going to tax me if I talk about Jesus. Yeah. Okay, well then, 
okay, half the people are gone because they can't trust Jesus with their money anyway, so they're not going to trust him anymore. And then, well, what if, uh, well, you know, if you, everyone who talks about Jesus has to have their head shaved. Well, you know, then you got half the women are gone because they don't want to shave their head. You know, right. that, those, yeah. those are ludicrous things, but at what point do we go? I think you have to look at it, maybe each one, but there's never going to be a time to defy our faith. There's never going to be a time where we're not going to lay down. We talk about being bold in our faith and bold in what we believe, and each one has to go, certainly, one at a time. I, can't, I could not answer that question in a sweeping move. But it will always be a time to be people of faith. I think each person has to weigh what are your reasonings for your stance, and have you considered faith? Hmm. You know, so if you've considered and you just feel like it's the wise thing for you to do, and you've considered, you know, would Jesus want me to do this or this? Which one is the better way for me to represent Christ in this situation? And if you've come to that conclusion, who am I to argue with that? But I think many people have not thought of that. They've just thought, this is what I've been told to do, and so I probably should do it. This is what I've been told is to the, is the say. And I don't know how you can believe any of it because all the recommendations are so across the board. Right. None of it's... So you have to... You know, I don't know. And I've, I've laid off. You know, I haven't... I've tried not to be real forceful on that. I don't know. One more thing. I'll throw this out here just for fun. As a church, do, does current church really need to be... Do we really need to have an online presence? Because there's plenty of online presence out there that are doing a whole lot better of online presence than we are. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Plenty the, doing the, better. The still camera on the tripod on one side of the room. I know it's hard to believe. One shot. It's hard to believe. And there's there's better preachers. And if, if you know if you're gonna be content, if this is the new normal, then I'm done broadcasting. Because somebody else can do it better and I don't care. Let them do it better. I'm gonna stick with the in person You'll probably have to cut all this. But that's the way I feel personally. Now, the elders roll me back like, Jim, we need to keep doing this. Okay, maybe we do. But do we? And if it's because, well, we don't, you know, we want, we need to make sure that we're including the people who are part of our fellowship. Well, how long does it have to go because until they're no longer in fellowship? Is, is it six months? Is it a year? Is it two years? You know, well, you know, we've had COVID for two years and, and uh, you know, you quit tithing six months ago and you haven't been in church and who knows how long. So are you still part of the gathering? Am I still doing Facebook for you? Are we still doing, are we still broadcasting live? Well, who are we doing that for? I mean, if it's, if we're doing it to get over the hump, okay. But if it becomes a new normal, this is just, I'm sorry, you, this is me being the real gene. You just got the real me. Let's play the Abraham and Lot game. If, there, if there were 12 righteous watching, right. would you still do a Facebook feed? <laughs> no, because they could watch it somewhere else. They could watch somebody else do it. If, if, less, if less is the only one watching, I don't think he is. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I know. I, there, there is. Uh, but we never did this before. If so-and-so got sick, we thought. Yeah, man, we better broadcast live because they're going to miss for the next two or three weeks. Right. You know, I mean, when my dad was out 10 years ago with this heart attack and he was gone for weeks on end, we didn't think, well, we better get this thing broadcast live because he ain't never going to make it. He'll never be back. I mean, we got to have an end game here. Are we coming back or is this the new norm? Yeah. If this is the new norm, then, and if it is something we're going to do long term, then we need to get off the tripod sitting on a corner of the camera. And honestly, maybe we should just do that because for the people that are showing up, it'd be just as easy for them to stay home. Heck, I could stay home and set up a camera in front of my house. We could do it right here. You really Let's hire a couple like professional GoPro operators That's what we should to, do. to roam the room. Just to roam the room. Yeah. Why not? So anyway, those are just some, some, some thoughts. But I want to, COVID aside, I want to be a church of power. I want to be a church of faith, be a church of prayer. 
I don't want to be an evangelical church. I want to be a Pentecostal church. That's the church of the New Testament, is a Pentecostal church. A church of power. A church that still believes that everything that Jesus said we could do, we can do. While those things, those may be exceptional things, they may not be normative, they are still possible because of the power of the resurrected Christ and because of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. That's the kind of church I want to be. And if we're not that kind of church, are we really a valid church at all? <laughs> well, everybody got to go to church somewhere. My... <laughs> I don't even know what you what? just said. What? How, what does that mean? Everybody got to go to church somewhere. Why not just make it good for them? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I mean, a, if we're going to go to a, a good, spectator sport. If we're going to go to a good church, there's plenty of them out there. I mean, I've seen them online, and I've seen them, and they, you know, even got guys like my man Stephen Furtick. Even he, he's got the he preaches for what forty five minutes to an hour, and then somebody does a bunch of editing for him and, and cuts it into like fifteen minute clips that are watchable, yeah. and they're awesome because he's a great communicator, yeah. and uh, you know he's yeah. a good looking guy with a good looking wardrobe and a great band, and you know they hire all the greatest worship artists out there. They just hire him to be part of their church. It's working like a charm. I think I told you this at the time. Uh, during your sabbatical, we had already booked that youth rally in Plainfield yeah. last year, two years ago. Two years ago, wow. Yeah. And uh, you were the keynote speaker that night. Yeah. And um, two things I remember from that night. Within like 10 minutes, not that we don't get your A game, but I'm not sure I'd ever heard you in that capacity before where you were like, I'm sure I have somewhere. I've heard you preach from like a concert stage before. Yeah. But like you were brought in. Yeah. To be the speaker. And it was a different, like within 10 minutes, you had the audience eating out of your hand. And the adults were along the back wall. They were rolling and they were with you and engaged mm-hmm. and talking back. And the kids were there with you. And I remember kind of having my eyes open to like, you trigger this with saying that Stephen Furtick mm-hmm. was a great communicator. And I, you definitely have that gift as well. And then I remember Paula saying, because we had done the music without you, and then you came up yeah. and took the lead mic yeah. and had us reprise mm-hmm. one of the, the final songs, yep. and everybody just went for it. And I remember Paul saying, you guys were doing great. Whoever was leading was doing great. Then yeah. Jean came up, and the room changed. And, you know, she knows you better than anybody. For her to say that was powerful for me to hear. Yeah. She doesn't just hand out compliments. Yeah, uh, right. Not to me. But, but I, I'm not even saying that as a compliment. I'm saying that as I think God has, we may take for granted, like there's talent and calling on our lives. And I keep going back to the DNA of current. Well, a lot of that, lot of that comes from your personality. Yeah. So I think about potential in light of some of those things where we're not I don't feel like it's just a little like gathering a little little let's open the word a little bit let's have a little bible right. like I feel like yeah. the potential the the heart of the people that are there the you know the, the gifting that you have specific to that church and that type P- of specific thank you uh gathering I still believe in all of that so then say do we prepare differently for if we think six people are going to be there instead of 60 do we not like amenities wise do we not turn something on or you know because mm-hmm. we think it might be 12 people instead of 22 you know what i'm saying like yeah that's where i started to ask you believe in faking it till you make it mm-hmm. earlier in some of it's common sense i think yeah not sure what the question is but do we just do everything with excellence and build it and they will come <laughs> or do we kind of contour the gathering to stylistically to how many people may or may not be there probably the former i would rather do it 
as if there was going to be a multitude there and pray and believe that there will be. I don't think I preach like there's only six people there. No. One of the points I made earlier. And I don't think yeah. that now, and I don't think I would, yeah, you said you don't think you, I don't think I prepare a lot different. Mm-mm. There is a real thing with critical mass. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. And it happens not just in, you know, it's why a Trump rally is better than a Biden rally. <laughs> you know, six, six cars out in a parking lot honk on their horn is different from, you know, no matter, it doesn't matter what the guy's saying, right? <laughs> the critical mass makes it awesome. And so, uh, you know, it would almost be better to see a crappy band with 500 people than a great band with four Mm -hmm. or six. Because what's going to happen is that great band, they're going to, most likely, they're going to scale it back a little bit. And uh, not that it won't be great, they probably would be better than, they would still be better than than the not so great band. But if you have like a B band versus an A band, it would probably be better to see a B band in a killer setting with critical mass than to see the A band where there's just not enough people there to hit that. Can't argue it, yeah. And uh, so it's like that with, because there is a, um, man, nobody wants to say this out loud, but there is a um, performance aspect to preaching and to worship. And some people argue that that should never be the case, but it is. Even if you're worshiping to the Lord, you know, which we should be, there's still a performance aspect. We're asking musicians, which are performance-based people, then to not perform. Because it's church. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. I mean, David danced before the Lord with all this might. Saul brought in David to play the harp for him. There, it was a performance factor. It, he, David was changing the atmosphere. So there is something to that. And then when we have you know, our musician, I never thought I'd see the day that that current church had a limited number of musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we, we had such a deep bench to use a sports term. Yeah, but I think it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, it's going really well, so. It's going well. Guitar sounds good. It's on point. (laughs) But that makes it tough, too. And you know what it does, too, as a worship band? You don't have the confidence that you would have if everybody was playing the instrument that they were best at and they were playing, you know, honestly. I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, I could could noodle around these other instruments, but I don't feel the confidence that I have when I'm holding a bass. Um, You know, it... I just don't. It's not my. It's not the same realm. And I've played acoustic at big churches, and I'm just like so grateful that there are other good players there because I'm not good enough to carry it on my own. I know that, um, not yet. But so that has something to do with it too. But critical mass is a, is a real thing. But I think that it would serve us well, and we haven't talked about it a lot. For example, with the worship band, um, and there's not a lot of things that. But I think for them to approach it like you know what we should approach this as if we're going to be doing guest worship at some other place and we should probably Ooh. rehearse this to such a point like they did when we did that youth rally. It was wow. rehearsed, you know, yeah. or, and, or, you know, at the, we kind of had our A team, the, the A game put together and um, because we knew that not only were we representing the Lord, but we're also representing our church. Well, we do that all the time and now we're putting stuff on, you know, we're saving stuff online that we probably wish we weren't saving, but we are, it's there and, and anybody can come back and watch it and, you know, I thought about that. Yeah, it's a real thing. Yeah. It's why you're going to edit the crap out of this podcast. Probably before. won't. Probably just go to two episodes. Um, I think we probably have time. Let's just go ahead and do the elder meeting now, and then I'll give the tape to Warner and Craig. <laughs> so, uh, critical mass sounds terrible, but it's real. So there is some of that fake it to make it real quick. I don't. I'll just throw this out there. Craig and I went out to eat. I think I told you this a couple of weeks ago uh, on a Saturday night. We went to Ale Emporium in uh, 
Great. I was you told the story, but you never said where you were going. Yeah, so we went to Ale Emporium. Great Wings. I'm going there Wednesday on business. Today is Wednesday. No, yesterday was Wednesday. But there will be another Wednesday. There will be. So. They come around every week. It's like every seven days or so, boom, Wednesday. So we went on a Saturday, and I'll tell the story quickly, but we got there, and we were, and we're like, let's eat like we're 20 years old. So we ordered a huge pizza just for the two of us. And Zah. We, yeah, the Zah. Wanted to see if you wanted to grab a slice of Zah and go catch the Knicks game. Okay, first of all, calling pizza za stopped being cool in 82. The, the large, whatever the, they call their meat lovers, like a, the pig or something like that, or I think that's what it's called, it's huge. And we got the thick crust. It was enormous. And then we ordered four pounds of wings, <laughs> the large wing order. It, it was insane. And then Craig's like, we should get fries, too. So we got fries. <laughs> and we rounded that off with waters. Well, Caesar we, salad, maybe? No, no Caesar salad. Oh, okay. We prayed about it, but thought, you know, with wings and pizza, who needs a salad? It's fattening. And, uh, yeah, we didn't want to add that fattening. And so we're there, and man, the place is packed. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty good sized room. And Craig goes, "Hey, they got a they got a stage here. They do live music sometimes." I'm like, "Really? That's interesting." And we were there at like at six thirty, and uh, he goes, "Man, there's a band loading in." He, he, I had my back to the stage. He goes, "There's somebody loading in." So we wait. He goes, "Oh, I've heard of these guys. They're good." Well, then, I mean, people are really filling up, and we're we're sitting dead center at the stage. People start asking us, "Are you guys staying for the band? Or are you leaving?" They, everybody wants our table. We have we have the premier spot. <laughs> we're dead center, right in the middle of the room. I mean, if you're the sound guy, you want to be where we're at. We're in the prime spot. So we decided we'd stick around. Well, music didn't start till like 9.30 or something, or 9 o'clock or 9 or 9.30. And we're, so we were there for a long time drinking water. We had to tip really good because we weren't drinking brew, you know, no beers. So we weren't, the, the like bill wasn't going to go high. And um, we had pizza boxes set up. So anyway, the music finally starts. You know, the room is not that big. It's about the size of our church. It was rocking like docking, and the band was good. The band, you know, they're like probably, I would say probably one of the best cover bands in the area. I mean, shout out to the Jay Baker Trio. They were great. And it was loud. The kick drum was boom, you know, and the mix started out really good. And then they took a couple recommendations from some people and it kind of went down just slightly. <laughs> Vocals were a little too hot. The acoustic guitar was a little too hot. Me and Craig were like, I can make two adjustments. It would be so much better. But we were sitting right dead center, right? And Craig looked over. He goes, you kind of miss it a little bit when it's really good, don't you? And oh. I thought, I do. Yeah. Like I, t- I feel like those guys came out, and if there had been five people, that would be better. But that room had critical mass. People got up and danced. People were right there at the front edge of the stage, and it was loud, and it was cool. And to me, I'm like, now my ears were ringing, but we were there for a long time. You know, the, they didn't. It didn't. Wasn't. I was sitting dead center, and it didn't bother me until about 45 minutes in. I'm like, it's a little bit loud, and I stuffed a little tissue in my ears. But I'm also old. But anyway, suffice to say. I would be fine with the church being that loud. Like, I, if I wanted to say it to Craig, I had to holler at him. Yeah. Like, I like that because when you hear live music, any place other than church, that's the way it is. Yeah. And I still like that, but I only like it when it's done good. Yeah. So it doesn't work if the mix isn't good and it doesn't work if the band isn't good. Sometimes, you know, I think when, if you're going to just do acoustic bass and maybe a drum or maybe not, I understand why we're going to pull it down and make it short because you know that, you know, it's, it's going to feel more like a campfire than it is rock and roll. And so why why would you do that? But it doesn't make me like it any less. So I, yeah, I would maybe be a fan of fake it to make it, but you still got to have critical mass and you got to have enough musicians and players to make that happen. At least one of us is one hand shy of being, being able to help out much. There really. was a, an incident in November, <laughs> November 3rd, a day that will live in live infamy, infamy, November 3rd, two thousand. I hope not. I hope I can get over it and forget about it. Well, something else happened that day too. It's funny because I... I didn't get to vote. Here's a little story. I called Gene on November 3rd. 
and asked him if I could use the oven at the gear to bake a little za. Do you want some pizza? And he's like, yeah, I could go for a slice of za. <laughs> he literally thought it was the sound that the end of pizza He really made. pronounced the, the apostrophe za. in there. So he was calling it za. To bake a little za. Yeah. I remember that now. For an election watch party. Yep. And then I had a really busy day, as you might imagine. Yeah. And I think um, I settled down about 6.30. I don't know what time it was. Well, you had messaged the elders and said, love you guys. And I thought, he must be really feeling the election. <laughs> Just feel a little sappy today. <laughs> and um, didn't think too much of it. I mean, that's not horribly yeah. out of the norm. Yeah. And then... I don't really live on Facebook, and I saw Paul's post. By the time I got to, I think there were 237 yeah. reactions. Yeah. I was very late to the party, and I thought, man, I hope that I didn't call him, and he had this phone, and he had something else in his other hand. I don't think I did. I'm sitting here asking him about za. He said he was having za, but the menu I just read had no lasagna on it. <sighs> I think it was and, before. Uh, <laughs> I think it was before all that happened. That's yeah, hilarious. So I lived with that for a minute. But the first time that I saw you after the incident, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you shared with us a little bit about some things that, and we'll close with this. Yes, in closing, if the ushers, if the worship band would come back to the platform, just play something softly. You were sharing some things that your brother Doug was challenging you on. Yeah, oh, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. And I'll admit, I didn't know what spirits you were going to be in the first time I saw you after. Yeah. And you were in high spirits that night, and you felt almost um, renewed, or that you were being renewed. Mm -hmm. I felt something happening internally for you. I will say that, that exchange, that feeling wavers frequently. Yeah. It's very difficult for me to hang on to that. It's one of those things I got to get up every day and think, are there things I need to do differently than what I'm doing in regards to pastoring a church, pastoring this church? And um, I haven't settled on, on what, what that means. I mean, there is kind of a renewed spirit still. I feel like my like the Lord has just helped me so much emotionally. Um it sounds terrible, but the hand, the finger accident, it actually lifted me out of, it was the Lord, but the, after that, it lifted me out of the funk that I felt like I've been in for, well, really for a long time, but I've been in and out of for the last couple of years. But the 2020 funk and just all the stuff, the losing the fingers or thinking I was going to lose the fingers, I asked the Lord to help me emotionally, physically, and financially. Um, during this time because I felt all three were going to be and they have been challenged yeah. but he has met all of those needs I should have asked him to help me spiritually too I, you know the, get all four of them in there um, not that that hasn't been good as well because I feel like it has been but he has helped me emotionally he's helped me physically he is helping me I mean I'm getting better I see a therapist like almost like three times a week and she's always you know surprised with improvement and Surprised with how good the hands look, and yeah. even though to me they still look like sausages, but just emotionally, I have not been down in two months. I've been emotionally on top of my game, which is awesome, yeah. and I can't explain it other than I think maybe this would have been the last straw, and God's like, I can't leave him laying in this. I can't if he approaches this like he is, he'll he's gonna lose out on all of it, and he's he's helped, and he's helped us financially. It's been phenomenal how the Lord is. Just continue to work miracle after miracle. So I'm beating around the bush a bit to say, you know, there's things that 
I'm trying to pursue those things that we talked about. I think there was four things. I don't know if I can name them all. I won't even try. But some things that I was that my brother that Doug challenged me with. Some of them I'm pursuing. One of them was just to kind of rethink church, and um, I'm always rethinking church. I've been rethinking church since way before I was a pastor. I've been rethinking church. You know, what does church look like? What does the gathering look like? Um, My role in the church, you know, is pastoring something that, you know, we would say it's a calling, but I would also say that it's something that you choose to do. I mean, the scriptures plainly say, you know, if you choose to be a elder in a church, if someone desires to be an elder, they desire a noble thing. You know, so to say, if I wasn't a pastor, am I... Am I leaving the calling? And I don't think that that would be the case. Right. I think that the Lord could move me on to something else. Most of me, most 90% of the time, I, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to be a pastor. I want to be in leadership. Some of it, though, I'm fearful that it's because, that maybe it's prideful. So I pray about that a lot. Is it, prideful, is it me being prideful that I want to be in some sort of leadership capacity? Hmm. Or is it because God's made me to be a leader and right. that's where he wants me? Hopefully that's keeping me humble. That I actually think about that. That it is just something that I that I'm I want for selfish gain. I, I don't think so because I'm not I'm not driven that way too much. Or you know I don't want to give it up because I'm tired. But it, I also don't want to hang on to it because I'm afraid I'll I'll lose every little bit of le- leadership that I have in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like I won't be in charge anymore. Yeah. And uh, I so I debate that in my in my mind. I pray about it and think about it and. It's something that's on my mind a lot. Gosh, I'm so much more open than most people I know. Good job, Gene. You're the best. Thank you. That way I wouldn't have to pat myself on the back <laughs> and do it for me. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. But I, I think that is something I think about. If I leave this, then what? Maybe that's a bad, bad approach, but I don't know. It's certainly a question you ask, right? If you leave anything, if you said, I'm going to leave radio, don't you have to say, well, then what? You know, been here 13 years and it feels like about four, maybe. Really? Yeah. Sometimes it feels that way with church life too. Really? But sometimes it feels like I've been here forever, because in part it's all I've ever known. Because I love the church, I I truly love the church and church life, and I think that Christians' life should revolve around the church too. I mean, not like the activities of the church, but that should be your your people. The church should be your your A point community. Your you know your first point of contact should be your church and. I love it. I truly believe that, like we say in the Big C, Little C, that we believe that whatever God's going to do, He's going to do through the church. So I, be- I truly believe that. But I also believe that we live in a time where church as usual, there's no such thing hardly as church as usual anymore. So I'm all I'm up for rethinking that. So yes, I am still praying. I don't have full answers on it, but I'm still praying about it, thinking about it. I'll be honest, part of that thought was maybe this is the time that I put all my attention back on being a pastor and I don't work some other job. But... That would have to be, you know, in the context of where we are as a church, it'd have to be a, another miracle on the Lord's part because financially it's not it's not feasible, feasible or any other bull. So then what? But I don't hang my hat on that. You know, it hasn't that to me that hasn't hindered me. Yeah, you said this is going to be it. So good thing I was going to tell Paul that I'd probably be home by eight o'clock. Yeah, I, I really wanted to be done by eight. I knew we'd talk for two hours because we should be doing this every month, not once a year. Yeah, tune in next month. Hey, this is the earliest in the year we've ever recorded, so I feel way ahead. Yeah, right. Uh, I'll ask you about Paul, and then we'll yeah. we'll shut it down. Okay. Um, you guys doing good? I know you keep saying the Lord is providing. I hope the church is is there and willing and able to meet some needs. Yeah. Uh, I know she's still working at the five. Mm-hmm. The early days where she was, 
she was working on the fingers pretty regularly, right? Because the blood and guts part didn't bother her. Yeah. She said that well, we had were to wrap, out and she wasn't. We had to wrap them up and stuff yeah. every night. And and every time I went, so every time I left the house, they had to be wrapped. And I just, I couldn't do it myself. I, it was just, you only got one hand and you need to hold this and pull this and twist it and hold this thing on. And so she helped me out with all yeah. that stuff. I don't know if there's a question, but I know that between um, everything that 2020 was and then with your parents... Yeah. While this was all going on, I know you guys have just been stretched thin. The Lord has sustained, I yeah. think, her as well. Yeah. We feel it. Yeah. I would not be, I would be remiss to not say so. We feel it. And I think she probably feels it sometimes more than I do. But we're good. She's good. She's on, I mean, I feel like she's on top of her game spiritually and emotionally. And um, here's the thing, family. Life keeps coming. Right, things are going. Things keep keep moving. There's no stopping it. We t- we started this thing talking about tradition and thinking about the past, and we can think on it, but we there's no point in dwelling on it because life is going to keep coming. Yeah, and uh, we keep waking up to a new day, and we have to decide to uh, we're going to live in today. So we're doing that. I think that the two of her, her as far like us, we're doing good. I think that relationally with the Lord, she's doing good, and in spite of the, some of the other extras that have been put on her. Um, she's doing good, and uh, she's next to Jesus. She's the best part of best part of my day, best part of everything. I tell her a lot more than she tells me. I need to hear it, so I tell her that yeah. I love her. You know, and uh, I wouldn't want to do life or anything without her. She's the longer we go. This could be another podcast for sure, but the longer we go together, the more that we become a team. The more that we our ebb and flow is, it gets better all the time. Wow. You know, um, used to, we would know the buttons to push and would push them on purpose for yeah. each other because we were frustrated. Now we still know the buttons to push, but we just love each other too much to push them. You know, you realize, you know, like, you know, I could do that, but it's not going to help. Mm. And it just comes with maturity and growing and just the older we get together, the better we are, you know, um, which is beautiful. We we miss our boy being around, and we miss uh, uh, we talk to him a lot, but we we miss him. But we're also happy for him and proud of him. And he's out doing his thing. It seems like whatever, man. To a lot of people, that's still at current. You still see, I know they still think of Tabor being a little kid, you know. So twenty three, twenty. Yeah, I just turned twenty three. Yeah, wow. right. Yeah. So when we started current, he was nine, I think. Man, eight or nine it was just a dude. We had a. Uh, picture on the front page of speaking of the old rag, the journal. Yeah. I came and did a story when we were moving into the building downtown, and inter- interviewed me, and you know got it about eighty percent right. <laughs> but they took a picture of me and uh, as the lead pastor, and we were still in remodel mode. And Tabor was, had been there with me remodeling, and they came to interview me. And so in the picture, he's back in the background, sitting on the stage, you know, in his cool pose, as cool poses he could. We're both doing our best cool pose. You know, I have my. <laughs> I had bleached hair, and he had his beaver sweep hair. And oh, yeah. It was good times, but, uh, yeah, he was just a little kid, just poor kid. I just drug him around everything that whatever I was doing he had to do, too. He didn't have any choice in it. Yeah, so that we missed that, but yeah. God's good. And we love, we, you know, we just love our church family so much. We're, that's part of why we wish that everybody was at the gatherings because we miss everybody. You know, like we want to see we want to see you guys. We want to, I guess I'll say that because I know that mostly it'll be church people hear this, but we just miss everybody so much. Even when we see you every week, we still miss you. Like, it's a bummer. 
that we can only see each other even once a week. And so we, when, when it's been, for those of you that it's been months since we've seen you, yeah. uh, we feel that. And, and we're not the only ones. Other people at church, we we're, we truly miss you and we love you and we care about you and your well-being. And, you know, in that regard, we're grateful for social media and FaceTime and texting and all that so we can stay connected. But I'm an in-person sort of dude, man. I just love the... That's been the worst part about the fingers thing. It's the first couple of weeks between that and COVID. I just couldn't get out. Mm. And so when I, I, not first couple of weeks, really the first six or seven weeks, I just wasn't doing much. And so when I finally got out, like I was, I went to the grocery store and I'm like, I got a 45 minute conversation going with the cashier <laughs> because I'm just so, I love people, man. But the people I love the most are my people, the family at current. So you're missed and you're loved the Matt Baird night when everybody came out. Yeah, it felt like crazy? this big like, family reunion. It did. That he was... just hit me up today wanting to know if I could, if we could have him come out and all I think was if we can't do it outside, it, oh, won't, it won't be anybody here, man. Yeah, but that was like amazing turnout and some people we hadn't seen in a long yeah. time. So yeah, it was, it was super was cool. refreshing. Yeah, and all the kids running around. It was cool. Yeah. yeah. And his family was there too. It was awesome. I'll try to get him to listen to this episode. I'll say, you got an honorable mention at the very end of the podcast. Just fast forward. Only you have to listen to two hours, three minutes, and 32 <laughs> seconds to get there. But, but some of that's coffee brewing, in yeah. all honesty. So, you want to pray? Yeah. Wow. Father, we love you. Thank you for another great year that we're starting here, 2021, the opportunity to serve you again. And so grateful for the time I get to spend with Jeremy and to talk and over a pot of coffee and talk about who you are, what the things that you're doing in our life, and the things that you want to do in us and in the church and through the church. So, Lord, we ask you would um, continue to, to lead us as we enter into this new year. And you know me, God, I'm not a big necessarily vision casting sort of guy, but I'm, I'm convinced that you have something you want us to accomplish. You have things you want us to do. You have people you want us to reach. You want the church to be the church. And so I would ask you to give us wisdom and discernment and help us to know how we're supposed to navigate the, the crazy times that we're living in. We want to do it wisely, but we also want to remember that you are a supernatural God and that we're a people of faith. And we want to make sure that we put that into the equation, that God can do anything and that uh, all things are possible to those that believe and that are called according to his purposes. And so we love you, Lord. Thank you for the chance to share these times together. And may 2021 be our best year as a church family. And may you, your will be done. And may you accomplish great things in us and through us and all for your glory. We ask in the name of Jesus, our King and Lord. Amen. Amen. listening to Big C, Little C, a podcast from Current Church. For more information, visit currentchurch.net or look for us on Facebook and Instagram. Current Church is located in Franklin, Indiana and meets on Sunday nights at 6 at The Gear. Theme music written and performed by Still the Hand, imaging by Jessica Albertson. Please join us next time for more conversations on Big C, Little C.